Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today, we are resuming our study in the Acts of the Apostles, and we're ready for chapter 15, which deals with this council at Jerusalem. Now, this is a chapter that throughout church history has always been fairly uh, simple to understand, fairly clear, not much to argue about, and yet, in modern days, uh, it's become a point of contention because we have groups who have arose who try to twist it, or uh, it's one of those chapters that certain groups have to attack in order to make their doctrine work. Uh, this, you have chapter Acts chapter 15, uh, same goes for the whole entire book of Galatians. Uh, so I'll read some commentary for you just to make the obvious clear, more clear from Matthew Henry. And uh, hopefully um, it makes perfect sense to all of you listening. Basically what the issue is, is we have a problem taking place where Jews are coming in and saying, whoa, 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 these Gentiles who have been saved, who have received the Holy Spirit when they believed upon the name of Jesus, they can't actually be saved unless they get circumcised and observe the law of Moses. There's this great debate, contention taking place. Finally, Barnabas and Paul say, okay, we're just going to take the matter to Jerusalem, to the elders, to the apostles, and get an official ruling from them uh, and that ruling can be sent out. And so that's what they do. And so we have the first council, if you will, where a doctrinal uh, issue is made clear. Now, this is nothing new throughout church history. This is the first example of it. Let me read you this um, from this study Bible here. It says, Throughout its history, church leaders have met to settle doctrinal issues. Historians point to seven uh, ecumenical councils in the church early history, especially the Council of Nicaea, which happened in AD 325, uh, and Chalcedon, which happened in 451. But the most important council was the very first one, the Jerusalem Council, because it established the answer to the most vital doctrinal question of all. What must a person do to be saved? The apostles and the elders defied efforts to impose legalism and ritualism as necessary prerequisites. It's early this morning, friends. Prerequisites for salvation. They forever affirmed that salvation is totally by grace through faith in Christ alone. Which we've always known throughout church history, but that's become a little more... Uh, interrupted these days. Uh, no surprise. And what's interesting is the very groups who oppose Acts chapter 15 or try to twist it to their own peril, what's the irony of it all is they are themselves becoming the very thing that's written about in this chapter. So do what you like with that. I'm just going to read it to you. It's very clear. It goes without saying. Uh, but sometimes the things that go without saying have to be said. 
Okay. Let's look at Acts chapter 15. The Council of Jerusalem. And then we have kind of a little end story there to cap it off. Let's begin. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, who believed, stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them, and to, direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their heart by faith. Now therefore... Why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Alright, so right out of the gate, Paul and Barnabas bring this issue to the Council of Jerusalem, to the apostles and elders. There's some Pharisees there, believer Pharisees, but the Pharisees nonetheless, and they stand up and they say, no, they have to be directed to get circumcised and observe the law of Moses. Peter stands up and he says, now listen, I was the one who first went to the Gentiles and they received the Holy Spirit, which is the seal of God, right? It's the proof of salvation. Furthermore, why should we put more burdens on them when we ourselves aren't even able to bear them? And in fact, we ourselves are saved the same way they are, which is belief in Jesus Christ, right? That's, the, that's what Peter stands up and says, but it doesn't end there. Verse 12. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they, as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So Paul and Barnabas are testifying of all the, uh, the of everything that's happening through the Gentiles, and the spiritual power, which could only come from God, is happening through them, yet they don't observe the law of Moses. So then we have the leader of the Jerusalem church, which happens to be James, half-brother of Jesus. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simon, 
talking about Peter, has related how God first concerned himself about taking among the Gentiles a people for his name. With the words of the prophets, agree just as it is written. And then James goes on to quote the prophet Amos. Verse 16, After these things I will return, and I will build the tabernacle of David which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Verse 19, Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. Trouble them with what? What we're discussing, the law of Moses. But that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, from what is strangled, and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Alright. So James stands up and says, hey, my ruling is this. Based on what the prophets have said, based on what we're witnessing with our own eyes, we don't trouble the Gentiles with any, with any of this with, with one exception. They need to abstain from these issues of idolatry. So they need to abstain from eating things contaminated by idols and from fornication, from what is strangled, and from the blood. Let me read you some commentary from Matthew Henry about what we've just read here. Here's what he says. It says, The opinion of James was that the Gentile converts ought not to be troubled with Jewish rites, but that they should abstain from meats offered to idols so that they might show their hatred for idolatry. Also, that they should be cautioned against fornication which was not abhorred by the Gentiles as it should be, and even formed a part of some of their rites. They were compelled to abstain from things strangled and from eating blood. This was forbidden by the law of Moses and also here from reverence to the blood of sacrifices which is being then still offered it would needlessly grieve the jewish converts and further prejudice the unconverted jews but as the reason has long ceased we are left free in this as in the like matters let converts be warned to avoid all appearances of evil which they formerly practiced or likely to be tempted to and caution them to use Christian liberty with moderation and prudence. The point that Matthew Henry's making is they were to avoid these things related to idolatry because it was very grievous to the Jewish converts. And furthermore, it would create prejudice among the Jews who hadn't converted. It's going to be very difficult for them to convert to Christianity, so to speak, although I don't really like that terminology, but for them to believe on Jesus for salvation, like the Gentiles, when they see the Gentiles doing these abominations, right, like eating things that were sacrificed to idols, participating in sexual orgies, which was also part of the pagan rituals and rites, and then eating the blood and eating things strangled, like that would be so grievous, 
that they, they just wouldn't be able to accept that, and rightfully so. And as Matthew Henry points out, the Jews abhorred sexual immorality, but the Gentiles, especially at that time, early on, they didn't see anything wrong with it, right? Let me read you this out of the study Bible real quick, dealing with these four things that were um, to be avoided. So James proposed that the Gentiles abstain from four pagan idolatrous practices that were violations of the law of Moses so as not to offend the Jews. First thing is things contaminated by idols. So foods offered to pagan gods and then sold in the temple butcher shops because idolatry was so repulsive to the Jews and forbidden by God. They would avoid anything to do with idols, including the meat offered to idols. Then you have fornication, sexual sin in general, but particularly the orgies associated with the worship of pagan gods. The Gentiles were to avoid being offensive to the Jewish sensibilities in their marriages and relationships with the opposite sex. And then you have things strangled and from blood, which is a dietary restriction, but it's all related to the issue of idolatry. So that's why those four things are brought up. Because those four things were probably causing a grievous problem uh, with Jewish converts and those unconverted Jews. So that's what's going on there. Very, very clear. Verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter by them. Okay, so you have the ruling coming down from the apostles about what is to take place with this issue, and they're sending out a letter to the churches. Here's what the letter says. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we have gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us having become of one mind to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. They abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they, went, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there, but Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word 
of the Lord. So that's kind of the end of that conversation and that issue. And that's the ruling. The ruling was from James and the apostles, don't burden the Gentiles with anything except for these four essential issues uh, related to idolatry. That's what the, that's what the text teaches, my friends. Now, obviously, you got to take the whole counsel of the word, right? And we have letters from these same apostles talking about certain behaviors. You know, James goes into it. John goes into it. Peter goes into it. The issue that we're discussing here is about salvation, not about Christian morality and you know, obedience and those things which are important. Uh, this issue is about salvation. Do I need to be circumcised and observe the law of Moses in order to be saved? The answer is no, according to this ruling from the apostles. And then, of course, those of you who listen to my podcast or have read my book, Faith and Obedience... Obviously, we have some strong opinions on what it looks like to walk as a Christian, right? And actions matter and those things. So I'm not like abandoning that viewpoint. We're just dealing with what the text is dealing with and the context of the text, which is very clear. A few more verses. We have a, a little issue. I mean, how many people know that Christians don't always get along and don't always agree? And it's not necessarily sinful. It just is what it is. Well, we have the same issue happening. Paul and Barnabas actually get into an argument here. The argument is Paul doesn't want to take Mark. And the reason he doesn't want to take Mark is because in some previous journey, Mark kind of bailed on them. Okay, this is Mark, the one who wrote the book of Mark. Uh, but Paul wants to take him, or I mean, Barnabas wants to take him, Paul doesn't want to, and so they go their separate ways over this issue pretty wild to think verse 36 after some days Paul said to Barnabas let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are so Paul Paul's talking to Barnabas he says hey we need to go and check up on all these churches we planted make sure things are going okay verse 37 Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark along with them also but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp agreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And that is how Acts chapter 15 ends, my friends. All right. I hope that uh, this has spoke to you, and I hope that you've been blessed this morning. Maybe, maybe some things have been cleared up for you this morning. Maybe you're angry because this goes against your favorite pet doctrines. Listen, I'm just a man. I'm, only, I'm reading the text. I'm giving you the commentary from great uh, Christian uh, theologians from the past I think the text is very very clear but you have to be good Bereans and you have to study the scriptures daily to see whether or not these things are so uh, you can't be completely relying on me or any other commentary you have to dig into the word yourself and 
consult the Holy Spirit and and study these things out. And it's okay to have some disagreements. Were the Pharisees, um, the Pharisees who were believers, as an example, right? Remember, they go to Jerusalem, they have the debate, and there was some Pharisees that stood up who were believers and said, no, 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 they have to do this. Like, there was some disagreement, right? The whole reason that Paul and Barnabas had to take the issue to the church leadership to begin with was because there was disagreements amongst the brethren. We're not always going to agree on everything, okay? That's just the way it is. But our love for one another, speaking of the brethren, should trump our disagreements. Now, there's some heresies that we just can't accept, right? We see that stuff going on in the church today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying we might have a few debates here and there about what certain things mean and what they look like. That's okay. We need not divide or be cruel to one another or be arrogant towards one another. Uh, We just do the best that we can. Okay. I feel like I'm rambling, so we're going to stop it here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your prayers. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.